Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My name's Bob, and I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. Uh, welcome. Okay, I guess this is where I talk. Uh, I qualify uh, mainly because I have a desire to stop drinking. And to get that desire, I had to drink a little bit. And uh, so here I am. And... uh, I lost the speech I was going to read. <laughs> it's, uh, I've been clean sober for, uh, for about a year and a half, somewhere, not quite a year and a half, I don't think. Uh, and it's probably been, uh, the most exciting year and a half that I have ever experienced in my entire life. Uh, I think more things have changed. I have learned more and met more people in that year and a half than ever before. Uh, just about the only thing that hasn't changed in a year and a half is the color of my hair. And I've thought about it more than once. <laughs> so, uh, that's what happens when you get clean and sober. Uh, things change. It's a lot different than being loaded all the time. When I came here, I thought these people just sit around and uh, stay clean and sober. And it didn't seem like a a reasonable way of life to me, you know, to to sit in a room someplace. I could see myself for a long time, you know, uh, I had a long time to go. I was just going to be sitting in a room someplace, staying clean and sober. And... uh, and I, I did that for a little while. You know, I, I just stayed clean and sober for a little while. And then I uh, realized that I was clean and sober. And I started doing things clean and sober. And uh, that's where the fun begins. And that's what it's all about. Welcome to the show that never ends. It, it just keeps getting different and... Uh, and different and different and realer and realer and realer and uh probably can't see it from down there but there are a lot of you out there and uh there were a lot of you last year and uh this is just unreal god I if someone would have told me a year so ago that I would be staying in front of a bunch of people saying that sobriety is good no, I don't think I would have believed it. But, uh, I don't know. It's really a fantastic thing. It, one of the greatest things this program has given to me is the ability to hear people other than myself. You know, and you don't gotta be just like me. You know, you can be older, you can be younger, you can, uh, do different things than I do. You can like different things than I do. You can be a different color than I am. You can, uh, it just doesn't matter. Because we're all here to stay clean and sober. And, uh, pain's pain. This, uh, the, the name of this me is that some of these we bought. I really don't know why they called it that. They did. Uh, I know I boxed it all of it, you know, it all of it. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is really just unreal. God, I just can't believe this. Uh, 
And I don't know what I'm saying, so I'm going to quit saying it. And uh, call on someone. Because I can... How about... Uh, how about I look on the list? How about Cindy from Vancouver, B.C.? My name is Cindy, and uh, I am from Vancouver, B.C. I'm a grateful member of al Um Oh, Christ, I'm just blown away. I am really happy to be here. You know, um, on the way down here, we came down from, with Murray, and uh, I was saying to him on the way down here that I had this fear inside me that... I did not want it, you know, I had this feeling that it would be like the last conference that I went to. And that conference really just shook me up. It was UBC, uh, BC UConn in Vancouver. And uh, I was really shaken up there. I had a lot of problems, and I'm kind of happy to say that uh, a day at a time, you're gradually working out, and I can handle them easier. And uh, I'm just really, really happy about it. Everything. Um, we just started a young Al-Anon group in um, North Bend, and it's a little slow getting started, but um, I think it'll work out good. Anyways, I'm just shaking like like a leaf, and I don't know what to say. So thank you. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to my. Uh Co-chairman. Hi, my name's Twana, and I'm now colic. Uh, this is weird being up here. <laughs> First time I ever talked in a conference before. Um, well, I I've, uh, will be sober a year uh, next month, and um, it's really weird. I didn't. Just don't believe I'm standing up here talking to all you people. Uh, I got to AA out of um, curiosity. I didn't think I had a drinking problem. I didn't. Um, it took me a long time, even when I when I was in AA for a while, to really believe that uh, I was an alcoholic and that my life was unmanageable because of the booze. But. Um, I believe it today, and I, I'm glad that I am an alcoholic. It's done a lot for me, being sober. I, uh, I had a lot of fears inside myself and a lot of character defects that I thought were uh, mental problems, and sitting around listening to other people talk, and I can relate to them. You know, they, they're not a bunch of different people. They had a lot of common things like I did, and uh, today I I feel really good about myself compared to what I did a few months ago, and I feel like I've grown in quite a few areas, and it's um, all thanks to you people out there, and I'll call on somebody now because I don't have that much to say. <laughs> How about Janet H. from Vancouver? Hello. <clears throat> My name's Janet, and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, I figured something out about this conference. Uh, compared to all the other ones that I've been to, I've been really comfortable. And and I can't have, you know, I, I couldn't figure out why I was so comfortable at this one and not uncom- not comfortable at any of the other ones. And uh, 
found out it's because I'm comfortable with myself and my higher power. And that feels good. Uh, I've been running around like a crazy fool all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good. And uh, the best part about it is that I'm clean and sober. And uh, I'll have three years next month. And uh, I came in when I was 16. And it's like Bob says, the only thing that hasn't changed about me is the color of my hair. You know, and that's true. It's, everything in my life is changing. And, and I'm just now starting to find out that I've got to cope with reality. You know, I've been hiding in AA meetings and uh, hiding in AA people. And uh, Janet's got to start taking responsibility for Janet now. And uh, my higher power's with me, so I don't have to be afraid of that anymore. And that feels good, too. And I still get scared about a lot of things, but not near as bad as it used to be. And I'm here to say that I don't ever want to go back. And I'm grateful that I'm here. Thank you. I can remember when I came in and I, uh, people were talking about living on borrowed time and, uh, and I had a hard time relating to that. Uh, I remember my first day meeting to, that I went to by myself and, uh, from the people that are around here, uh, I walked into a lunch bunch and there was Lud, Les, and Larry and they're all over 65. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> uh, it, I really feel like I have uh, an advantage, or not really an advantage, just a an extra thing to be grateful for. And uh, everything I have, everything that is around me, I have to be grateful for. Like my parents that I neglected for 18 years. Uh, I'd like to call on a friend of mine, Terry L. from Vancouver. There's a lot of people out there. <laughs> oh, wow. This conference has been super. Uh, as Janet said, she's been running around crazy and so have I. I haven't even known where I've been the last couple of days. Uh, I was at the conference uh, here last year, and uh, I didn't come to the Friday night meetings because I had to go out and get drunk first, you know. But I didn't have a problem. No problem at all. You know, I was going to Alateen for about six months and went to two meetings and I was going to cure my father. You know, I was going to save the world. You know, I knew it all. And, uh, we came, my mom and I came to the, the dance and the banquet Saturday night and somebody came up to me and said, uh, you know, my dress was pretty. And the first thing I thought of was what in the hell does he want? I didn't understand the love, you know. And what a place to be introduced to AA, you know, a conference of all places. It blew my mind. I've got, uh, I'm 16, and I really look up to Janet. She's helped me a lot. And, uh, I don't know, I am so grateful for this program. I've got uh, friends who care now and don't want me to be around just when I've got money or or the dope, you know. They they care about me. They want to know what's going on with me. And it, it's really neat. I see uh, so many people my age that are just blowing their minds away. And it, it hurts a little, but it's kind of uh, self-centered to say, you know, I learn from these people, you know. Maybe they have to do it, but I don't. You know, I got a program that can teach me a new way of life. And I'm going to keep coming back. Thank you.
Terry had to say about the love of these people. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that kept me coming back to the meetings for a while was I, I couldn't believe that there was people that could give love the way that they did. Um, I'd like to call on Brian from Bellevue. How about Dave from Portland? Dave's not here either. <laughs> How about Carol? Jeez. <laughs> How about Mark H. from Bellevue? Hi, friends. I'm Mark, and I'm an alcoholic. Very happy to be here, and I'm having a good time so far, enjoying seeing the same, a lot of the same faces that were at the last roundup last year. Now, into the uh, the theme of the meeting, some of these we bought. I was sitting down quietly this morning, reading through my my program roster, looking at the different uh, meeting headings, and, and I thought to myself that as far as as staying away from looking at myself, before I came into the program, I knew darn well I was an alcoholic a couple of years before I came through the doors, and that was balking. You know, I, I, I couldn't physically just unload things, like, you know, physically and mentally, I just couldn't let go. And it was when I came in here for the third time, after reaching a bottom, that I was able to do that, you know, start working at the program and just uh, say, hey, let loose. And start doing things that people suggest they might work. Pick up on a sponsor. And that was very important for me to be able to let go of a lot of things right away onto, you know, with another person, sit down and talk for a couple hours or six hours or all night, whatever it took. If I had something I had to get out, I better not leave until I, you know, until I had gotten out because I would keep it in and, you know, take away from any growth that I might get out of it. And that's that's what I'm here to do. You know, I'm, I'm not here because... It's all, you know, sure, it's, it's fun, I enjoy it, but mainly I'm here to improve, you know, my own life. You know, to work on uh, on the hang-ups or defects that I have. And I have to do that by working the program hard. There's a lot of things I don't like to do all the time, like a step 10 or a step 4. But uh, if I don't look at myself objectively then it it kind of uh it pulls me down and then and it's harder to get back up on my feet. Okay. It's harder to to actually get back into it. Like if I slide for about a week then uh people around me sponsor wise say, Well, we uh, haven't grown this week, have we? you know can I get these little things poked into me, and it hurts. And when it starts hurting bad enough, you know, I then I get out and I do something. But uh, right now there's a, a few things that I'm very much aware of that I'm starting to work on. And I've noticed growth in myself. And sure, it is encouraging, you know, that other people tell me, of the, the growth that I've had and they see. And it's just, you know, I have a motivation now to keep going and just keep working harder. And, you know, if I can share anything that, that helps with anybody else, uh, that's what it, it's all about, too. Just, um, just love the fellowship. I, 
I am really grateful that I'm an alcoholic. If I hadn't have had all those bad things happen, I know I wouldn't uh, be even cared or concerned about looking at myself, where I'm at and what I'm doing. But now, you know, I have no excuse. No more excuses. Thank you. I'm an alcoholic. It's good to be here. It's great to be here. Um, I was just thinking this morning, I went to a meeting that I'd never been to before. It was a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And I don't quite know what I expected, but um, I expected some kind of difference. And it occurred to me during that meeting that that was one thing that I'd always looked for um, was some kind of difference between me and everyone else. And from my very first memories, um, I remember feeling either inferior to other people or superior. I never, ever felt equal. I never, ever felt the same. Um, but when people are talking, and when people are talking honestly, and they're talking about feelings, and they're talking about things that are real, those, those feelings are all the same. And there's something that I felt very strongly in me was that I didn't have to look for the differences anymore and that when other people were talking about the way they felt, I started to feel normal, you know, because I was always so afraid that everything that was going on inside me was abnormal. I think that <coughs> I started out feeling uh, unwanted and unloved and unneeded and unnecessary and all the other uns that you can imagine, uncola. <laughs> and consequently, I became very unhappy. And the more unhappy I got, the more I drank. And I started um, drinking first, and then it start, I started getting into other things um, that 12 and 13 and 14-year-old people really shouldn't have to get into. Um, growing up is difficult to do, whether you're 12 or in your teens or 30 or 40 or 50, it's a very difficult thing. And to add things that distort reality uh, makes it even harder. I found that I was so out of touch with reality by the time I came to AA that uh, I don't know, I, I don't even know where I was living, you know, in my head some kind of dream. I guess everything had a, an unreal quality about it, and uh, I was very unreal, and everybody else was very unreal, and uh, I remember being very resentful, and I still am at times, um, because I don't understand it fully yet, about when I was very young, having a lot of things happen to me that I had absolutely no control over, um, and making some wrong decisions on the way about the way that I was going to react to other people. Uh, it was a case of I felt unloved, so consequently I was unlovable, and if I never put myself in a situation where I either had to love or if someone else loved me, then I would never get hurt. And so the wall that I built around myself got bigger and bigger and bigger, and after a while, it started to suffocate me because not only could no one else get in, but I couldn't get out. And uh, the last day I had a drink, um, I was sitting alone, staring at a wall for the last time, you know, because I always felt inside of myself that I'm a very honest person. I believe that today. <clears throat> I always wanted to believe it, and I always wanted to be that way, but... Uh, because I was so locked up, and of course the people that I associated with were largely the same as myself, um, there was no honesty there at all. It was just a bunch of bad actors, uh, 
really hurting and and trying to be real, and it didn't work. And on the day that I quit drinking, I made that decision that uh, whatever it took, whatever it took, anything at all, I was willing to do it. And after several years of running around investigating everything I could get my hands on, uh, traveling, running, studying, searching, uh, and hearing the screams inside my own head, because nothing seemed to be real, when I got to AA, I didn't balk at anything I heard, because it was my last chance. And it seemed to me that everything that had ever sounded right in any other kind of philosophy or any other kind of way of life was capitalized in AA, and that all the answers are right here, and I don't have to look anymore, I don't have to run anymore, I finally came home. Thank you very much. I'd like to call on Kathy from Portland. How about Renee from Portland? Hey, I'm Renee and I'm an alcoholic. God, how do you follow that? (laughs) Uh, She just summed up my whole story, you know. That was really good. yeah, I think, um, I feel like I'm floating up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got to Alcoholics Anonymous and, and I was really confused. You know, I stood up here last year and I said, uh, I got here and I was really confused and afraid and I'm not anymore and I ran, you know. <laughs> and, uh, this year I, I'm nervous but I'm not confused and afraid anymore, you know. And, uh, the reason for that is because, um, you people, and people like her who just, you know, stand up here and they tell me, you know, just what I have, what happened to me in my life. Uh, I grew up in that exact same everything. You know, I was afraid and, and confused and, uh, people tried to teach me how to live by saying, uh, one thing and doing something else. You know, my teachers were confused too, you know. Um, that, uh, I don't know. <laughs> when you grow up in, in a confusing environment, you know, you get confused. And that's really logical, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, um, I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, after being around here for a year, I went back out. Almost a year. I had 20 days. And I think the reason I waited till I had 20 days to a year had something to do with Somebody told me after you were sober a year that you weren't going to go out no more. So I figured if I was going to do it, I'd better do it, you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wanted to drink a lot of times before I did, you know, a lot of times. And I wanted to use, but I just didn't. I just, you know, I kept thinking this feeling's going to go away, you know, and it did. And uh, then just that one time it just didn't go away. I, I fed it is what I did. You know, the feeling came and I fed it. And, you know, old Slewfoot, you know, that lower power, he knows when you're ready, you know, and he's going to put it there. And that's what happened. And uh, I got loaded. It was really weird. I had a dream one time that I smoked. I took one hit, one bong hit, you know. I had this dream. And I took one bong hit, and it started me off on a run, you know. That's exactly what happened. I took one bong hit. I thought, you know, this friend of mine had a bong. It was this big. <laughs> and uh, I never took a hit off of a bong that big, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, they said try it, you know. And I thought, why not, you know? And I did, and it started me off. And uh, I, you know, I, I instantly got loaded because I had been clean for quite a while, you know. And uh, somebody handed me a beer. You know, it was even a flat beer from the keg the night before I drank it anyway. And somebody said, hey, I know where I can get some speed. And I said, yes, you know. And three days, you know, partying and speeding. And boy, I was sick at the end of three days. I never could eat street speed. It always made me sick. I forgot that. We forget those things, you know, how sick we were. 
<laughs> and uh, so after about 20 days, I guess it was, I don't know, yeah, about 20 days, I went out. I got back on the 28th anyway, two days after I would have had my birthday. And uh, I wanted to stay sober, you know. Um, I took that first step. The whole thing. The first time I never took the whole thing. I took the first half. You know, I'm an alcoholic. And I stopped. And then I kind of skipped over uh, the second half of the first one and the second one. And I kind of took the third and I took two-fourths. And, you know, I was just kind of in there doing it. I was in there doing it. And it didn't work too good. And uh, I ended up back with... Uh, some people that were not good for me, you know, they, they're the kind of people that, you know, you stay away from, <laughs> and uh, that's what I'll, and I, those are the kind of people I liked, you know, the kind most people don't like, and uh, I'm a sick person when I put that stuff in me, you know, a very sick person, and I could see exactly where I was headed, you know. The same, the thing I just pulled myself out of, you know, I, I could see that if I was going to drink and drug, you know, I, I was to the point now, because of the progression of my illness, that, uh, when I started, I couldn't stop at all. It wasn't that way before. I got up in the morning, and, uh, I had to get loaded right away, and I had to start drinking again, and it was bad, you know, and, uh, I knew that if I was going to live that way, if I was going to make that decision, I was going to have to prostitute my body for money, you know. Now, I prostituted my body before, but I did it for free, <laughs> you know. And uh, I was going to have to do it for money because I was going to have to support myself because I wasn't living with my mommy anymore, and she wasn't going to take me back, you know. And uh, it got really scary. And the people that I was with told me about this job where I could dance, you know, and they would set me right up, you know, and uh, these people uh, would have done it, and they were all ready for me to support them, too, you know. So I got out of there, and um, I didn't know what to do, you know, and I was really scared and really sick, and I called my sponsor. First, I went over to this house, and I, I got loaded with this girl, and uh, I had just talked to my best friend on the phone. This, this friend was in AA, is in AA still. And I had made the decision that morning that because I wasn't sick enough, I didn't think, to get sober and get really well, I didn't want to play with the program. I knew that it was the only thing that would save my life when the time came. And I have told people, and I've been told, that if you're not ready to stop drinking, stay the hell away from Alcoholics Anonymous, because it's the only chance you got. And I believe that. And so I was going to do just that, you know. And uh, I figured I needed to drink some more. Not because I wanted to, because I wasn't willing enough. And I made that decision, and a friend called me, and uh, I told him what I had decided to do. And he said, do what you have to do. And he read something to me out of the Bible. And uh, it was, I could hear it. It was really weird. I could hear it. Talk about spiritual law and human desire and how they totally conflict with each other. And I couldn't understand why I couldn't get these human desires to go along with these spiritual desires. It's because they conflict. And that made sense to me. And later that day, uh, I said something to a friend of mine. I said, I wanted to go take care of some business. And she said, well, you know, I get loaded and I like to kind of kick back. You know, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. She was already ready to kick back. And uh, I said... You know what's wrong with you? I said, you limit yourself. It's called withdrawing from life. You know, and it hit me, what I said. And uh, I knew that that's exactly what I was doing. I was limiting myself, and I was withdrawing, and I was climbing right back into that pile of shit I just climbed out of, you know. And damn, I didn't want to do that, and I knew I didn't have to. And I ran home, I mean, I ran home, you know. I didn't want this, I had this positive idea, I was going to hold on to it, and I called my sponsor, and I, you know, I was drunk and messed up, I, you know, and she listened, I said, Ivy, just listen to me, just listen to me, and I rattled off a bunch of stuff, and she said, baby, you don't have to drink anymore, you know, 
and I knew it. And I started crying, and I'm sitting in the middle of the front room with a telephone and a glass of wine. I took one drink out of it. It was terrible. And and uh, my mom walked in, and my mom's looking at me, and I'm crying, you know, on the phone, and my little brother's looking at me, and everybody didn't know what was wrong with Renee. And uh, what happened was I got set free. And I didn't drink that wine. I poured it out. And I did what I had to do the rest of the day to stay sober the rest of the day to get to a meeting that night because I know that's what you do, you know. And I got to a meeting, and I talked about it, and I didn't drink anymore that day because I wanted to stay sober, you know. That's why I didn't drink. I'd never done that before. I had a lot of other reasons before. And uh, it started from there. In a day of time, I didn't drink, and I went to meetings. And uh, one day, I realized that there was an idiot running my life. And uh, it became very urgent for me to turn my life over to God, and I did that. And I got on my knees, and, I, and uh, some things happened, and uh, it became very necessary for me to, and I said, Father, please help me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to drink and drug anymore, though, and I want to get well. So please help me. You know, it's called abandon yourself, you know. And uh, I felt this tremendous relief, you know. And I knew that I, and it hit me, you just took a third step. That's what they mean when they say take the step, you know. And uh, I went along some more. And a time came, I was listening to a tape, and a man talked about taking a fourth step and about a, being relieved completely of self and being full of the Father. And he talked about becoming teachable and about people coming into his life teaching him truth. You know? And God, I wanted that. And uh, it came a time where I was willing and ready to take a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. You know? And I did that. And I'm teachable. You know? Uh... I know what they're talking about when they say uh, abandon yourself and uh, get rid of those old ideas because they're what's holding you down. Um, today, when I have an old idea come back, I can say, Father, I don't want that idea. Please take it. And he does. And uh, I know it. See, a day at a time, these old ideas, it says more will be revealed to us. And it is, and I share it, and I get rid of it. You see, that's how we grow. And by me standing up here and sharing this with you, and then wherever I stop off, someone else can come up if they've had more experience than I, and they can share, you know, and I, that's what I do next, and I can do that. See? And I stay sober and clean. I'm sober and clean. You know, I wasn't sober and clean before. I smoked pot four times before I drank, you know. It was really funny someone said to me this morning, they got loaded into all the stuff, you know, and I finally got drunk, you know, like that's the clincher. Damn it, if you got loaded, you know, uh, you might as well have got drunk, you know, this, when you fog this thing up here up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Real, you know, uh, somebody kept saying that, and life is real today, and where I used to stand and say, what is it all about? You know, why are we here? Uh, is there any meaning to life? What am I supposed to do? You know, somebody give me a clue. Uh, today I stand and I have all these tools, you know, and I know what life's all about. It's about growing spiritually. And uh, I know that I've got all these people to grow spiritually with, you know, and it's fun. It's, you know, God, life is just good today, and uh, I can be as happy as I want. They used to tell me misery is optional, you know, and I thought, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about, you know. I really didn't. I didn't understand at all. And it's so good to be able to know you're on the right path, you know. I never knew what path I was on, and I know I'm on the right one today. And... I don't know why I'm here, you know, because I'm one of God's kids, I think. I know that, you know, because I'm one of God's kids, we all are. And 
the thing is, is, is just to be willing, you know, I'm willing to do whatever, you know, to any length. Whatever those lengths are going to be, I'm willing to do that because of the way I feel today. Because of my experience in the past, because of the things I did, I wasn't sure. I boxed at them maybe, you know, and then I, I went ahead and I did it. And I felt good, you know. Wow, that's what they need, you know. And uh, because of that, I'm willing to take the lengths because I feel good today. And I didn't used to feel good, you know. I used to feel really bad. And, uh, man, it's good to be here. I just going to zoom off here. Thank you. <laughs> My name's Lynn, and I'm an alcoholic. God, I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know. I've been on the program for six months now, and I've been sober for two days. I don't know. People told me that if I went back out and drank, it would get worse, but uh, I didn't believe them, and uh, it did get worse. And uh, I don't know. I want to stay sober. I want what every, everybody here has. Um, I'm glad to be here, that's all. Well, we ran out of people to talk on, so is there anybody out there that's under 21 that wants to talk? That would be willing to talk. <laughs> Nobody. Well, I'm just going to call on somebody then. Okay, I'd like to call on Laurel. <laughs> I'm Laurel and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm not under 21. Um, let's see. When I was 17, I had fake ideas that I was 28, and I was buying beer for everybody in my high school. Um, I was sitting there listening to uh, the girl in the green, and I was just really moved by her talk, and tears were brought to my eyes and everything, and it was just really neat. Um, and I, you know, you can't. For me, I can't help but relate when somebody else talk to, you know, to my own experience and stuff, and I think about when I first came in, and they talked about, you know, at some of these box, and, you know, I'm able to look back now and see the wall that I had up around me when I came in, um, and the chip that I had on my shoulder, you know, go ahead, prove to me that there's anything left in life to live for, you know, prove to me that things are going to change, you know, um, I, you know, I related to some of the things they were talking about, too, as far as growing up in an alcoholic family and some of the things like that. And I remember when I saw uh, Chalk Talk and Father Martin said something about, you know, um, the children of alcoholic parents, what a bummer it is for them because when they bring their friends home, they never know if, you know, their mother's going to be passed out naked on the dining room floor. And when I saw that, I cried, you know, because it touched a part of me that I had stuffed, you know, that I'd buried for years and didn't want to remember. And, um, you know, I, from the time I was a little kid, I always believed that there was a God. And I didn't have any particular, you know, um, belief system as far as a religious one or anything like that. But I just knew that I was helpless in a lot of areas. I know when <laughs> this member of my family who was a pastor, well, both of my parents were alcoholics. But one of them was a, a bum who was someplace between, uh, L.A. and Maine, and I only saw him a few times once when I was five, and he was frying the head of my doll in a frying pan. And I said, why are you doing that? And he says, that goddamn thing kept staring at me. <laughs> and I thought it was funny, you know. Um, I thought he was really a character, but being the Aquarius that I am, I like different types of people. But uh, anyway, you know, um, there were areas, there were the ones that I remember, people that I loved, you know, that I really cared about, and... Like my mother, God bless her soul, she passed away last year in September. Um, she was a periodic. And uh, 
I can remember laying in bed, and she would have blackouts for a week at a time. And I would lay there, and she wouldn't come home, and nobody knew where she was. And she didn't know where she was. And I would lay there, and I would just beg God to please take care of her until, you know, she could come home and I could take care of her. Just keep her from walking in front of a red light or keep her from getting hit on the head by some creep, you know. And I would just lay there and pray for those kind of things. And then when I got older, you know, I when I was about, well, I guess I was 21 when I came into contact with a, a, a spiritual organization that, that offered me a, a, an attitude about life and about God that I could understand. And I was still drunk at that time. And so I got involved with that. And I wanted more than anything to really become involved in it because for the first time it had given me some explanation as to why life was the way it was and what, you know, my purpose in it and where I could be of use. And up until that time, all I'd been doing is indulging in my physical needs, you know, drinking and eating and whatever. And um, I remember when I met this person who introduced me to this faith, I was sitting in a bar. And it was one of those nights, you know, where I drank and drank and drank and drank and drank, but I couldn't get drunk, you know, and I couldn't have a good time, and I didn't give a shit about guys, and I didn't give a damn about dancing, and I didn't want to do nothing, and I was just sitting there. And I was sitting there at the bar, and I was wondering, what, you know, what's left? What's next? What is there, you know? And I met this fellow, and he introduced me to this faith. And uh, it was at that time that I had a spiritual awakening as far as knowing that there was something, you know, more to this life than just the physical appearances. And I wanted more than anything to be a part of that. And I tried to, I tried to change. I tried to become a spiritual person. He, I'd never met anyone like him in my whole life. I couldn't, I, you know, it took me months to be convinced that he was real. Because I was sure he just was a super con. And he really had a game going that I couldn't pick up on. But it turned out that he really was just a, he was a beautiful person. And, um, so I started trying to change, and I I didn't know, I knew I was drunk, but I didn't know that I was an alcoholic. I didn't know that I had a physical disease coupled with a mental obsession and all that, you know. And I tried to change. I tried to stop lying. I tried to stop being, going to bed with people. I tried to stop stealing from the bar I was working in. I tried all these things, you know, but I could never do them because I'd get drunk, and I'd do them all, you know. And so I threw my hands up in the air, and I said, forget it, I can't do it, and so... I'm doomed to be a, a lush and a drunk and a pig, and so I'm going to go down in a big way, and so I tried to be the biggest drunk I could. And so then I just, I abandoned myself to, to my lifestyle. I just got to the point where I didn't care anymore, you know, about what I did or what I thought or, you know, who I was. Because I had come in contact with the fact that there was some other way to live, of living, but I couldn't do it. So I was even more mad at God then because I figured, like, he had dangled the carrot in front of my face. And... um I had learned a lot of things about uh, spiritual principles and spiritual laws and things like that, and I learned a lot of things about religion and things that had happened. And so when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm, you know, I had a religious pride, and it was hard for me to look at AA in the simple program that it was and think that it was going to work for me with everything that I knew, you know. <laughs> And so when I came in AA, I wouldn't listen to anything about spiritual principles. I wouldn't listen to anything. All I would listen to was drunk logs and people who swore. And that was it. You know? <laughs> because I was, that's the way I was. You know, I was bitter. I was resentful. I was angry at life. I was angry at God and everything. And I cussed like a trooper. And they think I'm bad now, but I was worse then. And, you know, all those things. And people told me things about, you know, but I wanted to stay sober. And the reason I wanted to stay sober was because I had a three-year-old son. And I didn't want him to grow up with a pig for a mother. You know, I didn't want him to be ashamed of me. I didn't want him to, to end up being a juvenile delinquent and ending up in the joint and ending up every place else because I wasn't there to be the mother that he needed. And uh, so that's why I wanted to stay sober at first. And then I kept coming, and it was the simple things. And so, you know, I did. I balked at everything because I said, you know, it didn't work for me before. I knew a lot, and it didn't work. And it's just a simple fact that I like being a drunk and I like being a pig, and so it's hard for me to change. And I kept coming, and that's where AA, you know, came to my rescue and saved me, because they taught me that a lot of things that I believed when I came in the program were wrong, you know, that I was wrong. And I was opinionated and a big know-it-all, and I still am, but they taught me little by little because they didn't kick me out and everything, and the repetition, I went to meetings twice a day for months. And they taught me over and over again to, to look again. And the desire, the reason I was able to learn was because of the strong motivation, because I did not want to live the way that I lived when I was drinking, and I believed that I was a drunk, and I was willing to give a chance. Just, just you know, the size of a mustard seed, that's how much I was willing. But evidently it was enough, you know, and it was enough to open me up to, you know, create that crack so the rest of it could start to flow in. 
And then it was the people, you know, I can't underestimate the people in AA because I too felt the same way when I came to my first meetings. I thought, what the hell do they want, you know? If a man was nice to me, I figured he was just after, you know, after me. And if a woman was nice to me, I figured she just wanted to practice her spirituality on me and she really didn't give a damn about me. And all those things. And, you know, it was that constantly coming back. And the first sponsor that I had used to sit and talk to me for five hours at a time because it took that long for me to dig down under all those shells that I had built up to get out what was bothering me. And it was, you know, years, you know, when I was, I'm just almost four years sober now, and my third year I had some real rough go-rounds, you know, because I'm a tough nut, you know, I stuffed it all, I kept it repressed, if the hardest thing it was for me to do was open up and allow my feelings to come out, I was afraid I'd, you know, blow away somewhere. And they have been coming out, and they have been coming out, and there was a real um, beautiful man who, you know, lived a hundred years ago or so, and he was really well thought of, and everyone loved him, and he was a really beautiful spiritual man, and somebody asked him, they said, how do I get to be like you? And he said, little by little, you know, and uh, that's kind of the way it is for me. I still balk at things, you know, I'm still opinionated, I'm still a big know-it-all, but I too feel like she did, that based on my experience that I have found, that if I'm, even though I say, oh, I don't think it's going to work, you know, but I'll try it anyway, you know, you it ends up where I learn and I grow, and one of the things that I am now that I wasn't when I first came in is I am a lot more tolerant of other people's lifestyles and other people's opinions. And I am I, I'm not as know-it-all as I used to be. When I first came in, everything was black and white to me. And now, 99% of the time, I don't know, you know. And uh, that's okay. And I don't know. I it's I guess I, my mind's blank because I guess that's all I was intended to say. So thank you. <laughs> No one under 21 has come in, huh?
Mark, I'm an alcoholic. your basic religious type, and so I have a hard time with spiritual awakenings. And um, I don't know what it is, if it's a spiritual awakening. I guess for me it's the closest thing that I've had. Um, and I was I was going out of the NA meeting, and, and I just felt like crying, and it's sort of something that's been coming on all weekend. And I and someone asked me, well, is it a good cry or is it a bad cry? And I hadn't cried yet, so I hadn't had it evaluated yet. But so um, I walked outside and I went out and cried, and I realized that I was crying because I really want to be sober. And um, most of the time in the last nine months, I've cried because I had to get sober. And um, and it blew me away, you know, it just really blew me away, and it and it just feels real good. And I and I guess I just wanted to share that with people. Um, I'm pretty jazzed by it. I thought, <laughs> you know, I mean, because uh, I had. I didn't think I was going to be able to come to this conference. I was going to split and go to the bathroom when they said, how long have you been sober? Um, because I had, I had my last couple of beers about 12 days ago and um, thought about smoking my last point last night at the dance, but I didn't. And um, uh, I, I'm just real glad to be here. I can't... Um, I don't want... I have a real hard time with the spiritual part of the program, and I think that that's the biggest thing that I've balked against. You know, I balked against a lot of things when I first came around because I thought, well, you know, here I am, and they, first off, they say it's a fellowship, and I'm heavy in sisterhood, you know, and not the nun type. You know, I already did that already. But um, and I thought, how am I going to get along in this in this fellowship, you know? And um, so then I, you know, and people would say, well, you're just caught up in rhetoric and semantics and da da da. Well, we talk about that later, but. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't real sure that I was going to belong because, you know, you know, I was this feminist, I was this socialist, I was this lesbian, you know, and here were all these people that were straight and white and middle class. Oh, great. And then, um, and so I looked around. I looked around real heavy when I first, uh, when I first came around AA and I saw how they treated other gay people, minority people. Um, I saw how the millionaires, you know, talked to the skid row bums and stuff. And it was pretty nice. And nobody alienated me. And for that, I'm real, real grateful. And um, and so I just want to thank you all for being here. Thank you. Okay, I want to call on one more person. Jordy, would you like to talk? 
Hi, my name is Jordy, and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I came down from Vancouver, B.C. for your Young People's Convention. I'm really excited about Young People's Conventions. I I don't know. It's just there's so many people, so many of my friends that still are out there drinking and stuff. And uh, just to see how much this is growing, you know, it's getting a lot, getting around. I remember the first couple times. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this. You come to a conference. That's a real test of tolerance, because you're used to going to these meetings and playing, uh, like the one-hour meetings. You're used to staying for an hour and saying how happy you are, and it's splitting. But I found that my first couple conferences, it was like, ooh, i got to stay here for two days. People are going to get to know me. <laughs> Somebody really. <knows. clears throat> and I always had this feeling of, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like someone said, go to the bathroom and uh, not go shore yourself up again. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, I'm getting a message. International 22nd, Vancouver, BC, June. There's going to be a conference in Vancouver in June. <laughs> 79, international. Be there. Um, just a pull out. <clears throat> Am I allowed to do that? <clears throat> no. No? I didn't do that. <clears throat> Still got some old ways. Um, I, uh, I've been in the program for a year now, and I'm astounded with myself. I'm shaking right now. Uh, the way life is now, with friends I've got now, is no comparison. Like, I thought I had quite a few friends, but they were pretty well acquaintances. Like, if I, I wanted to get uh, stoned, I go with this group. If I wanted to get drunk, I go with those guys. If I wanted to be rich, I go with those guys. And I heard somebody uh, mention something today in the meeting. You were a, oh yeah, long hair with a cowboy hat with uh, Adidas, and I don't know, but he fit in with the jocks, the cowboys, the drunks, and everybody. And I really related to that. <laughs> I was the same way, you know, like that. And uh, my last geographical cure was through Europe, and like one day I was sitting... Uh, with the richest people uh, drinking wine, the next minute I was down in the streets of London playing with the street musicians, uh, snorting speed. And, like, I really went, you know, what person are you? You know, like, you can go over there and be that. I was very pliable. And, uh, like, they say, get to know yourself. And I didn't know which person I was. And I'm slowly finding out what kind of person I am through the 12 steps. I don't think I really balked at many of these steps because I really wanted to quit being phony or quit being the feeling I was getting. It's uh, one of the most things I did balk at was uh, when I heard the word God. Like, this A is good, but don't say God so loud, you know. It gives me the creeps. <clears throat> but uh, higher power, that was cool. Good orderly direction, that was even, that was okay, but you know what that felt. But now I have a very clear understanding of the word God, which is, I use higher power for the longest time, but uh, I'm so glad about that. Like, I I pray lately, and I, I'm, I can honestly say I'm batting a thousand for what I pray for. And, like, I don't pray for uh, that much. I've got a real test, you know, I'm uh, praying for Bob Dylan tickets in Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver. That will be, uh, <coughs> we'll find out if that goes. But uh, I I find like the simplest things, uh, my my mental attitudes, uh, those kind of things I pray for, uh, tough decisions, and just the fact of a nice day. Like wow, thanks for this nice day. Like I drove uh, a '59 Carmagia down from Vancouver. It's been to Los Angeles and back, and I drive the shit out of it, you know. And I really wondered if uh, this thing was gonna make it. And like I made it, I couldn't make it through the, the rain in Seattle last night, but I said, well, if I'm not supposed to make it tonight, I have a feeling God's going to show me a good motel. I said to Brenda, the girl I came down with, that we're going to find a hotel that's under 15 bucks. And we went to a couple and there was 18, 20 dollars. And I just said, Lord, uh, let's have a, let's have a hotel that's under 14 dollars. <laughs> the first one I pulled in, it was 10.50. 
the heat. A radio. <clears throat> so I had a good sleep, and I feel really up to this. I think if I had a dro- uh, driven all the way down last night, I'd, I'd probably be a real wreck right now, because it was quite a bad uh, bad drive down. saw a lot of real things, like accidents, and uh, I just wanted to slow her down and get here and feel good. And I'm really grateful for being here, and don't forget the International in June. Thank you. <laughs> Last year at this convention, I tried to talk at the spiritual breakfast, and uh, nothing came out. And uh, some of you probably remember the ones who just heard the tape on the blank spot there. <laughs> what I wanted to say then, <laughs> I, I really wanted to say thank you, you know, and I love you. And uh, it took a whole year. But it's still true. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.